We're off. <clears throat> Welcome to the JB Cast podcast, Jungle Brothers, episode four. Once again, broadcasting from HQ Botany, Four Pemberton Street. Get down and get some. We're here with Joe Worthington. Yo. Paul Fotofilly, hello. And T is getting organised. There he is. He's joining headphones on. Uh, t- episode three, we started outlining a little bit of info uh, about our kind of a fight, lift, move triangle um, and how it has shaped our, it's shaping our training program and philosophy. Uh, we outlined it, we spoke a little bit about uh, it as an overall and today we're going to talk a little bit more about fight. We're going into the fight world, which is a subject that's kind of um, close to all of our hearts, I guess. Something we've all had experience with, different forms, yeah? Correct. Yes. Um, if you haven't heard episode three, go and listen to that one first, because that's uh, a good little intro for this podcast. Yeah, it gives you a little background, but essentially, fight, lift, move. Um, fight's a big part. Um, Paul and myself having exposure to Kung Fu back in the day. I also did some Judo, I remember, and some Karate as a kid. <clears throat> Joe. I quit Judo because my nails were too long one day in class and they made me write lines, 100 lines, saying I will cut my nails before Judo really? class. Yeah, and so yeah. I wrote the lines and I was like, fuck, I'm not coming back to this. This is shit. You were a brash little... And then I went and started smoking cigarettes and yeah. doing nothing for <laughs> six years. <laughs> not nothing. Well, self-development, you know. Yeah, there was stuff going on, but yeah, I found my way into jujitsu, which I guess was the first martial art I took seriously uh, in my mid twenties. Twenty-four. Okay, twenty-four. Yeah, I think I started when I was twenty-four. Yeah. I remember at that time you were looking for something else, and I remember you saying, oh, "I want to connect back with my martial arts background um, from when you were a teenager, looking for something uh, at twenty-four." And that, yeah, I remember you getting into it. In Bondi. Yeah, man. It was cool. It was definitely the catalyst for me to, <clears throat> to start on the path of, you know, physical development. I wasn't really... I was just being a, a kid at that stage, being a young 20-year-old, smoking and drinking and going out and not really putting too much time... You know, I was working a lot, but I wasn't putting much time into my own physical development. And so jiu-jitsu was definitely the catalyst, but it started just as something fun and a way to reconnect with that martial arts thing that I'd grown up, you know, fuck, I was so into Van Damme, so into Van Damme. If you didn't know, uh, Joe and I grew up together from a young age, skateboarding, uh, we met through family, and anyway, I used to stay at Joe's place when we were like 12 years old, like, was it around that time, 10 or 12? Yeah, like year six, we were, in, we were like year f- yeah, five, year six. Yeah, we used to skate together, I used to come and stay over at his house, and in his room, he had... He had a shelf with weapons on it. It was it was like you were obsessed with. You had little. That's right. Did you have a sword? You definitely had. I had the, a samurai sword. You had the forks. I had the the sai one sai, which was the implement used by Raphael in Ninja Turtles. Yeah. I had uh, nunchucks. You had nunchucks. Yeah, the nun- had throwing <laughs> knives. <laughs> had throwing knives. Loved it. Loved trying. I used to come over and see, we used to sit on his bed and he used to be like, oh, yeah, man, check this out. Oh, look what I can do. And you had that bit of wood. Oh, yeah. 
It's like a baton. Yes. So it, it goes, you hold it with a handle and there's a piece of wood that runs along parallel with your forearm. Yeah. It's like a baton yeah. with, a, with a side handle yeah. perpendicular. Like, a, like the old school cop, like a cop baton. Yeah. Yeah, I think the same one they still use, you that know, like, 90 degree handle. And you used to say, oh yeah, just do this. And then you'd show me something. I'd be like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd be like trying to break your arm with it. Yeah, it was all the cool tricks. <laughs> that was Joe. I think I had one trick Joe. that I used to show you every time you came over the same trick. And then there was the nunchucks. I learned some manoeuvres from you. But yeah, that was cool. I guess both of... My brother was... My older brother was into Kung Fu. Your older brother was into Kung Shouts Fu. Shouts to Abe. Shouts to Eddie. And the rest of them. But yeah. yeah, all my, all my brothers were into it. Um, we used to practice trolley fight kung fu. Um, I can't remember which, uh, which brother started it, but at some point all of my brothers, four of them, went through training there in Chinatown with, uh, uh, yeah, kung fu. Um, in particular, one brother, Eddie, was very good at it and he competed and he, you know, he won a bunch of tournaments and was considered a bit of a champion. Um, quite dangerous when he was young. Fuck, I remember that video of him spinning back fisting some dude... Wait, spinning back fisting. That's not what it sounds like. <laughs> he delivered a spinning back fist. <laughs> With incredible... He knocked a guy out in competition, right? Yeah, I mean, I was very young when he was competing, but I do remember going to the town hall, Sydney town hall, to watch a comp competition. But there is video somewhere out there, and I did watch that video, like a video maybe five years ago or something. And, it, yeah, he did. He It was called the Da Choi, where basically... You throw out a little fake jab and then you pull in from that jab and, and spin around and deliver a back fist. How can I explain that? I have no idea. Fucking destroy the guy's face. Yeah. And you, you know, if you catch them off foot without noticing it, yeah, it can really just send them flat. Um, Tiora teaches another type of back fist. Was it you teaching a Muay Thai? back fist in class earlier this year, I remember. Yeah, I learned, learned a couple. The first uh, spinning back fist I learned was actually a Kung Fu style back fist that was um, from Lu Hi Bafar that we talked about in the first, in our podcast before this one. And that was my, my introduction into a, a proper form of self-defense as opposed to, to, to Taekwondo, which was at the time was more of a, a sport. And I was never very good at it anyway. I'm not, I'm not naturally very flexible. And I think that inhibited my ability as a Taekwondo practitioner. Hence, I never got off, uh, I think it was like, I think I was yellow belt, three stripes for like five years. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, the spinning back fist for uh, Lehi Bafar is a little bit different. You actually... Uh, you step across your body with your front foot, load the hips while your, your torso is facing forward and you literally jump in the air like a, a millimetre <laughs> off the ground and spin your whole body and it produces Whoa. a massive amount of force. And uh, the guy who taught me was Simon McVeigh who taught me the spinning back fist and then I watched another guy called Tux Akemundo who was uh, 20, heavyweight, half Nigerian, half Aussie, Tux, um, did you say? Tux, yeah. Is that the machine. one that Al always talks about? It is, yeah. I was like, the infamous. Well, 20 fights, 20 like, wins, oh. 20 knockouts, if Ooh. I remember. Yeah, so just a, a, and a machine of a man. Like, he was never, 
never never like a like a conditioned athlete like he would he was just a really talented fighter and uh the amount of power this guy would produce from this particular strike was huge it was amazing but yeah that one and also the tie the the tie style <coughs> is more grounded so it's more of a step across the body and you don't get bring yourself off the ground because in tie boxing like any time you leave the ground you're open to end up on your butt if you miss your shot or if you get caught with a counter which I tend to prefer, like that grounded feeling. Mm. But um, yeah, both are really effective. Great move. Great move. It's I, fucking, it's beautiful to watch when it's well delivered in MMA or, yeah. 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 You know, the timing's impeccable and just the spatial awareness, something else. Yeah, I like that one you delivered in class a few months ago. Kind of comes down on an angle. Yeah, you bait someone, mm. get them to, to travel in a certain <coughs> direction and then you kind of dogleg it, change direction. It's great. So, yeah, um, I guess from Luhi Bafar, I got drawn to, the, to Muay Thai because it ended up being like the, the more popular martial art in Sydney. I think now it's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is always one that's kind of in vogue, you know. And at the time, that was that was the one. So once uh, I stopped training with with the boys from the Police Boys Club and with Simon down at Bondi, then I started sourcing out whatever club was closest. And usually, that's a good good Thai boxing gym. Uh, had a little bit of a play around in uh, uh, Mundine's gym in Redfern. That was uh, probably about ten years ago, and we used to go in there and. You know, spar with some pretty big names, guys like the Umatagi brothers and Peter Graham and those guys. I never got a chance to spar with Peter Graham. Kind of happy about that, but I'd <laughs> watch him training with other guys, and uh, it's just impressive to be around that that level of fighter and um, watch them perform. And you pick up so many, um, you know, new tips and hints and and practical stuff that actually works, and then you get to try it in the ring and if it doesn't work then you kind of get rid of it if it works you hold on to it and jot it down and start building like a repertoire of stuff that's actually efficient you know yeah you had an amateur fight right yeah yeah i had a i had a fight i think to tell you the truth that the sparring um that i you know i was regular probably was probably sparring maybe two three times a week regularly was much harder than anything I did in tournament. So we we did a, back then there was a lot more tournaments than ring fights. So you'd go in little little tournaments here and there and PCYC or like yeah. sports club type. And none of them were halls. like really sanctioned or anything. So you'd get put with guys way out of your weight category and fucking you know like mismatch fights with guys like novices coming in against guys that like had a extensive background. It was all a bit messy and. Um, yeah, so we did a, a bit of competing, and then after that, I went to to Thailand and Thailand did some training at um, uh, Tiger Muay Thai, which was start. It's become the, the 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 place to go now. When I went there, it was a bit of a dump, but uh, they would they were starting to play around with the MMA side of of training because they could obviously see. Mm-hmm. that there's a market there mm. 
And that was great. Like, I got to train with some of, some of the, like, some really big Thai names, guys that um, had Lampini Stadium titles and had, you know, competed in high-level boxing events in the States. And one guy had fought Manny Pacquiao and lasted, like, three or four rounds or something like that. But um, it... Uh, and really cheap. So you'd get this... you get a high-level coach and... Could, they cost you like 20, 30 bucks and you train with them for two, three hours and have them on your own. It was, it was amazing. And heavy sparring over there because you get all the fighters from all over the world, from Holland and uh, the States and Canada and all these guys that go there to pick up more work for their repertoire and take it home and apply it to their fighting back home. And a lot of people that go to Thailand to fight as well. Um, I met a bunch of uh, Dutch guys there that I ended up having some pretty heavy sparring sessions with and they invited me back to Holland. Uh, I was already going to Holland anyway to visit my mates and um, I went to a gym called Kamakura, which is like one of the big uh, Dutch uh, Thai style slash karate slash uh, MMA gyms and it's in a real rough part of town and it's got a bit of a reputation and I didn't realise that at the time. I just thought, oh, I'll just go check this gym out because that's where the guys that I met were training. <laughs> and that was probably the toughest, most precarious training I've ever done before in my life. Like, they did really fucking crazy stuff. Like, they put you up against a wall and you have to put your hands on your head and they would literally bare knuckle, attack, like, just beat the shit out of your torso. And it wasn't like punching you in the tummy. It was like aiming up your rib cage and your sternum and like putting weight into it and you can't absorb the blow because you've got a wall behind you and you know in, in your head you're thinking holy shit like I'm, something's gonna break <laughs> and you're constantly trying to cower into a into a ball and then they're like get your elbows up bro get your elbows up and it's, it's a total mental game because of, they hit you hard enough so you could feel your your sternum you know, kind of caving, but not hard enough to break anything. <laughs> and it was, uh, yeah, it was horrible. I hated it. But uh, the guy actually, when I first entered the gym, I was like, oh, okay, I recognise your face from somewhere. And he's like, oh, was it, was it that maybe? And he pointed to a picture on the wall. And it was the first UFC. And everyone's seen this fight where this big sumo guy goes in against this big tall Dutch guy. Taylor oh, Tooley yeah. when he fought uh, <laughs> Gerard. Gerard Godot. That's the one. Was it Gerard Godot? <laughs> yeah, he was sitting <laughs> behind the counter to kick this guy. It, like, it literally kicked this sumo guy in the face and his tooth went That's right. flying yeah, out. Yeah, I've seen that. He's in the white pants. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. I'm like, that's, you know, like, of course. And then he goes, yeah, I got, still got the scar from where he had a bit of tooth stuck in his foot. Oh. And I was like, oh, gosh. But, yeah, it was amazing because there were just all these big names he walking fought, around the gym. He and fought Yuki Nakai, remember, in Choke. He fought Yuki Nakai and punched the shit out of his face and then Yuki Nakai leg-locked him in the end. That's right, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, and then I think he's fought, he's fought one of the Gracies as well. Did he yeah. fight the Great in the final? He must have that. fought Hoyes in that got, final, that's yeah. That's right, and he got, got wrapped up and tapped yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and it was amazing, like, just to be in that environment where there's guys like Remy Bonyaski and just walking around and doing their things. It wasn't Remy himself, but there's all these fa famous faces the, that you see, you know, on in, on the, all the big big cards and the K, K1 cards and that. It was just yeah, awesome stuff. How old were you when you were there? 
that would have, I would have been about 20, 28, 10 years ago for that particular, that, for that time. Been mm-hmm. back to Thailand probably three, three times, each time just floating around to different camps, but not, in, not just for, for Thai boxing, but there's always, there's always some in there, you know? Mm. Yeah. What's your... Um After that, went to London. Moved to London for five years and I joined a gym called London Shoot Fighters and they're like an MMA outfit. And that was, that was again, that was a different, different environment. Um, they had a bunch of, bunch of uh, a couple of guys that were fighting in the UFC. At the time, I didn't get to do much with them, but it was a bit more segregated. But again, you know, I picked up a whole bunch of, of new stuff to, to put into to our own training formats and, our own, uh, and that's... It's just been a collection of, of information, really. And it's really nice to be able to apply that to what we have here at Jungle Brothers. What's your top two uh, moments in your life in relation to combat, you know, street altercations or training experiences? <laughs> the two things that stand out the most, whether they were good or bad experiences. Where well, do you, what do you, if you look back, what are, what, what are significant there? I think my first, my first fight, which was, um, I, I went to, I remember weighing in for this fight and the guy I was supposed to be fighting didn't turn up to the weigh-in. And uh, on the night he ended up weighing in, he, yeah, it's about, I weighed in at 92 and we were fighting heavyweight at the time. And I'm not a heavyweight, but I was carrying a little bit of trouble on me, I was younger. And he, he weighed in at about 110. And I remember on the day, like... This is where you stretch the story a little bit, yeah? No, he told me after the fight, actually, I asked him. <laughs> I he was said, weighing yeah, 185. Uh, yeah. <laughs> at but a heavyweight, I'll just... Yeah, I remember... Yeah, I'll take the fight. Him, <laughs> him com- coming in to the fight, and I just remember looking <laughs> into his chest when we were standing there, <laughs> and I just saw a big hairy chest, <laughs> and he was, like, breathing down, down me, trying to get the stare down, and I was... I was fucking shitting myself, actually. So I didn't want to look into his eyes because I'm thinking, right, it's going gonna, it's gonna <clears> to <throat> kind of freak me out. So I just stare at his chest and I just remember the ref, like, murmuring in my ear and all I could hear is, like, all of my family and friends just screaming and I was, like, way high on adrenaline, like, too high. And then we fought for, like, 30 seconds and I got, like, kicked in the eye and his toe scratched my eyeball and then I, could not, I couldn't see a thing. And I, my eyes watering and I just saw this big shadow fucking looming around me and I was like, oh, gosh. And I was waiting for, like, someone to come in and stop the fight and then I realised, okay, it's not sparring anymore. <laughs> my coach is not going to jump in and help me. And uh, that was like, okay, this is a, this is a proper fight. And so anyway. What, mm, what happened? Yeah, we, we um, slugged it out for a little while and then um, the doctor ended up um, calling the fight because I couldn't, I couldn't actually see... So I was, he, just, he I was clinching on with him and I, every okay. time I clinch, I would strike. But, yeah, he could see, I couldn't see. Yeah. And then, but anyway, I ran into this guy again at, um, in Redfern, Mundane's gym, the PCYC there. I think it was the PCYC, I can't remember. But um, that was when I was trying to kind of hang out with uh, the Alex Tui's crowd. And I wasn't there for long. But um, he ended up being the same guy and he was... Uh, from a Newtown gym and that gym burnt down and those guys 
came over to, to the Redfern gym and um, I saw him there and I was like, right, okay, we gotta, we got to finish this, you know. So I was like, you know, should we... Should we should we finish? Because we never really it was a no contest or whatever. How, how long after was it? Six months. Yeah. And then uh, he was like, okay, give me six weeks to, to prep. And he got six weeks. Six weeks later, we met in the gym and we we finished the fight. It was awesome. How'd it go? Fuck, he laughed. Yeah. <laughs> Folded him. Was the was the weight? Uh, probably even, around the same. Probably about the same. Did you hit the juice. He had a, he had a weak torso. <laughs> I could feel it when we first fought. I, 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 I That's a yes. Hit him in the <laughs> torso yes. and he made this funny noise and I was like, ah, oh, okay, he's got a weak torso. So I just I prayed on that the second time round and he ended up kind of folding over in the corner of the ring and I was like, ah, it's good, done. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the first one. The second one was probably in Thailand when I started. Uh, I was. Uh, we, there were three rings. There was a beginner's ring, intermediate, and a, and a fighter's ring. And when I got there, I was like, oh, I want to be in the fighter's ring. You know? And they put me in the intermediate, intermediate ring, and I was like, oh, I kept looking over the fighter's ring, thinking, oh, I want to be in the fighter's ring. And then anyway, three days later, I was so fucking sore. I, I, I was like, oh, God, I'm so glad I'm not in the fighter's ring. Like, this is way more than my body can handle, even at the moment. Like, it's going back to my room and... My tendons and ligaments felt like they were throbbing and it was just really hot and a lot of repetition that my body wasn't used to. Anyway, um, on the, I think it was like on the sixth day or something, a bunch of, du- bunch of heavyweight Dutch guys turned up and they're all, f- all like fucking like seasoned fighters and I was watching them warming up and doing their thing and I was looking over at the fighters ring and I was like, oh, fuck, I'm glad I'm not over there. <laughs> and then the, the coach from our ring... Because uh, a whole bunch of other newbies came in as well. He goes, you, fighter's ring. And I was like, no, no, I'm all right. I'm going to stay here. And he goes, fighter's ring. And I was like, <laughs> oh, shit. And it was sparring day. So I got sent over there. And fresh meat. Fresh meat. And, <laughs> and I got chucked in with this fucking guy who was just like, had only one tempo and that was hard. And he was he had 26 fights and like 17 wins. And that in Holland is a, is a, it's a big... Uh, that's a decent. That's a decent record because they got some of the best heavyweights. Well, they got the best heavyweights in the world, and he'd sparred with all of them. And anyway, he kicked the shit out of me for like three rounds, and I thought after the third round, I was like, I can't do it. I pulled out, and I was like, I got out of the ring, and I could feel like this sense of you shouldn't be here kind of thing from everyone else, and people were turning their back on me, and I was like, oh, this is fucked. I went home and <laughs> back to my fucking to my bungalow and I packed my shit up and I was like, ah, I need this shit, I'm out of here, I'm gonna go sit on a fucking beach and drink a cocktail and fucking enjoy my holiday. And uh, I called my dad and I was like, yeah, this guy kicked shit out of me and this is fucked and I'm out of here. And he's like, my dad was like, are you hurt? And I was like, no. And he goes, well, go back in there and fucking deal <laughs> to him. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, you're probably right actually. He goes, well, if you, not hurt not from when you yeah. just fucking stood there and got shit kicked out of you, then you, you can obviously take it and go back in there and give it back. And I was like, he goes, are you really going to enjoy yourself if you go home, go and sit on a beach with a cocktail right now? And I was like, no. So next day, or we had one day off and then it's sparring again and the next sparring session, I got in there and we, we exchanged for six rounds and the other guy actually, <whistles> yeah, they kept... Because you're only, you're only supposed to do three rounds and two more come in. And then they let it go for like six rounds and it was like literally exchange for exchange for six solid rounds. 
And everything he gave to me, I gave back. And, um, and it was great. Afterwards, everyone was like, eh, yeah, yeah. There was high fives and shit. And then someone from the other, uh, like, beginner's ring was like, oh, man, I could hear the leather, like, fucking hitting skin from where we were. And I was like, yeah, it was good. It was a nice feeling. And then they invited me back to their gym, and I was like, okay, that's cool. That was, like, <laughs> as far as I wanted to go in the fight world. <laughs> that's a good story. That's cool. Yeah. That's a very cool story. Yeah. Fight of Philly. Yeah. What Tell us a bit about yours, man. You got a you got an interesting fight background. You you got I think there's more than than you usually no. let on about. Yeah, Joe's no, nah, there's not that much of a background. I haven't had any like long extended periods of training. I feel like my best is still yet to come, if you know <laughs> what I'm saying. I feel you, bro. <laughs> um like uh, I guess I had my influence from from Eddie, my older brother, and my other older brothers. Who, uh, who also were training trolley fight back in the, I don't know, 80s, 90s, whatever it was. So I naturally fell into that. Um, but my, my training's been kind of inconsistent. Uh, but it was, yeah, I used to love it. Um, and from, from, from that school in Chinatown, uh, my brother, he started running his own um, classes uh, years later, um, more local to where he was living, and he also just we just used to do boxing, uh, boxing sessions like in like backyard grass. Whoever wanted to come, so you know it might be like five of us. Oh, I used to like used to take classes in in Gladesville, Gladesville Primary School as well, um, like a couple of nights a week, and I used to go to that. Um, aspiring was always very cool. I loved it. Um, he's very, very, he's a very slick kind of fighter. He's, he's, he moves well. He's really cool at countering and he's quite a good teacher, um, for sure. And, uh, yeah, I learned a lot of lessons. It was tough because I was there with a lot of older crowd, sparring with, um, with him and some of his friends and people from Charlie Fart. Um, what else can I say? I, I guess I look back because I, I stopped doing all that, you know, kind of towards the end of high school. Um, and I hadn't done anything for a long time until recent years. Um, but I always enjoyed it. I always look back at it fondly. I'm glad that I'm back in touch with it now. Um, and, you know, I still need to get my, my, my training consistent. But the, the fire's there. I love it at the moment. It's kind of the only thing that I, I enjoy to, to watch and follow sport-wise and, and study. Um, I think it's something you can definitely continue to, to learn from. Um, so, yeah. What I, about that time you knocked me out, bro, on my feet? <laughs> what about that? What you you can check it that? out on YouTube. Um, yeah. Fuck. What happened then? I, uh, I can, uh, yeah, I remember seeing that. You, you, switched, you switched stance <clears throat> and when you switched, yeah. you, you switched. You I, I think you jabbed him, jabbed him a couple of times and then you switched, it was like a switch hook. I think what happened is, which like, you know, and Jay's I don't have it. It was an illegal blow. <laughs> it was definitely an illegal blow. <laughs> I don't, I don't we had a rule like, before that, no switching. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't have a deep uh, repertoire. Uh, a deep arsenal of moves and whatever, but I did. Eddie, you always used to fight with his his hands down. He was quite cocky, 
like once he started going and I guess I adopted that quite a bit and there was a lot of, um, yeah, there was a lot of kind of uh, counter-punching involved and I really enjoyed that. So I guess I, I remember I was, I switched to like a right-hand lead but I had it low, you know, with the back one up near the chin like this and I think it was a counter. I was just waiting for your jab and then I, I slipped to the outside of it not using my feet. I know how to use my feet a bit better these days, thanks to T, but it was just a lean to my left and it's like an overhand kind of right. Yeah, like your feet switched. I remember your well, feet, I, feet I switching. I switched back. I don't know if yeah. I switched in the whole manoeuvre, but at some point I switched down. Yeah. But it was funny because what happened was uh, Joe was being challenged by Hello, a friend Alan. of ours. Hello, Alan and friend. Hi, Welcome Alan. To the gym. Yeah, you guys do your thing. I, I don't know. Actually, talk back to us. Hello. We hear a little bit, right? Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah, keep it down, but do your thing. Yeah, we're on. <laughs> hey, Al. We'll be doing a, uh, an episode on Alan soon. That's right. Oh, yeah. Speaking of Kung Fu. Father Philly, continue. Oh, oh. Fucking knock me out on my feet. Yeah, but how we came to be in that ring at Fitness First Bondi Junction was because you were being challenged by Burnsy. That's right. Shout out Burnsway, a friend of mine who's a boxer. Well, would consider himself a boxer. Challenged me and... Well, he didn't challenge me. He said that... There's a lot of banter between he you said guys. That, yeah, he, he talks it's it up a lot. And banter. he said that, ju that his boxing will, will beat jiu-jitsu any day of the week, which is the classic conversation between, you know, strikers and jiu-jitsu guys. So I said, okay, well, why don't we... Why don't we put it to the test? I will come up to fitness first one day where you're boxing. We can do a couple of rounds together or a round together uh, boxing and then we can do a round together uh, rest, you know, grappling. And he was like, yeah, okay. And Did he end up grappling with you at some point? No, nah, by the time we got to that, I'd already punched the shit out of him. Oh. <laughs> he didn't want any more. He'd had Burns enough, right? Yeah, he didn't want to oh. get punched and choked. <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah. It was funny. You went ham on him. Uh, yeah, I just used every piece of athleticism I had and didn't hold back. <laughs> yeah, he was you were brawling and he was boxing. Yeah, he was toying with me a little bit, but I definitely got a couple of good shots on him because yeah. I was purely putting in as much effort <laughs> as possible. Um, and I had conditioning for days back then. Yeah, whereas he's still not do. Mm. <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, but then by the time we came to the to the grappling round. He was like, oh, I don't know how to do anything. And so it ended up me teaching him. Fizzling out. Yeah, I taught him some shit for a few minutes and that was it. Yeah, so but we, we were there. Yeah, then I was like, Paul was there. I was watching. I came to, I came to corner Joe. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then yeah. Burnsy was like, oh, why don't you guys do a round? Or I was like, why don't we do a round? Yeah. And we're like, yeah, that sounds fun. So that's right. You, you had a mouth guard and I didn't because I wasn't fighting that day. So I put headgear on. That's right. That's shit. I hate headgear. I've only used it a few times, but anyway. I'm going to have to share that video with the JB tribe. No. I have to f dig it up from the archives of the interweb, post that shit. I don't even know if it's still out there. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. It's anyway, somewhere so, it's an so when video. I hit Joe, what happened? You, I thought everything was fine, but when, I, the video, when you watch the video, <laughs> my feet kind of wobble. Your foot stomps like you're trying to kickstart a bike. Yeah, yeah I stomp a little <laughs> bit like a rigor mortis type kind of. <laughs> <laughs> and we had a little break, but yeah. Yeah, then it was like, you all right, man? And I was like, shit, man. I can't even remember. I said something. Motherfucker came in with an elbow. 
I don't even know what happened. And then we got back into it. That's yeah. how it happened. That yeah. was real. That's probably the, the realest fist fight I've ever had, I guess. <laughs> it's a horrible feeling. Oh, it's I gross, like man. It yeah. No. It's not nice. I've, I haven't been a fighter. I'm not a fighter. Definitely. I've just kind of... I walk away from dangerous situations where I don't hang around in them, so I can't say I've got like a, you know, a gnarly fighting background. I'm not going to lie to you. Never, never been in a street fight, really. I hit a guy once, but he was trying to steal my bag, um, which was a present for my then-girlfriend. <laughs> uh, sorry, for her sister? Something we're having dinner down at Darling Harbour. Anyway, I won't go into that story. Because I felt horrible afterwards. Because it was, you know... Some bum. Yeah, pretty much. And I, yeah, now I know like he had his own thing going on. There's reasons why he was there, but... I was running late and he tried to snatch my bag and... Picked anyway. the wrong guy. I, yeah. Wrong place, the wrong time. But yeah. Um, but these days, I'm trying to get better at jiu-jitsu, but, you know, it's been a speckled... Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, uh, kind of training consistency, so... Damn, I enjoy it though. I love it. The love's not lost. That's for sure. My best is yet to come. I enjoy it. It's so challenging. I think I spoke a little bit about it on the last podcast just how I've found that, you know, fighting in general and especially jujitsu has helped me develop as a person and my confidence and everything else. Like, it really fucks with you. Like, you have to, you have to be so, you have to give into it and be vulnerable and get in there, tap out, all of that sort of stuff, feel that adversity, feel that stress, and try and get back in there and do it again. Get um, manhandled get by me and Joe. Get manhandled by you and Joe. Although I can't remember that happening. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, so anyway, I, I do love it, and uh, I look forward to the years to come, really, because... Once I come into the business full time, <laughs> look out. <laughs> nah, nah. How about you, Joey? Let's talk. Mm, um, my yeah. fight background. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Guess, yeah to started with my with my bro. Yeah. He was he was studying Charlie Fight as well. Yeah. And um, he used to come home and teach me stuff, and we were both frothing. All the time on Van Damme films and oh stuff man. like that. Fuck. It was so strong. The posters we had, were all the over posters, that posters had the weapons, fucking knew all the lines, like everything. Watched the movies every day. And so, yeah, there was a huge influence there. <laughs> Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan, fuck, all of them. Bruce. Sammo Bruce Hung, for me. Bruce. But so we, it's the, we had a fighting pit. We, we, we built a fighting pit at my parents' house in Gladesville. Remember that pit out the back? It was a sand... A sand pit yeah, yeah, with yeah, a circular so kind of banner around it so yeah. you could get in there and fight. And then we had a tree stump with rope wrapped around it that you could condition your uh, shins on and oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we used to fuck around there. And so anyways, that was kind of the beginning of it. But yeah, then obviously I got into being an adolescent and all that sort of thing and sort of drifted away from it. But I think I had a couple of experiences when I was a teenager, just really shitty hoodlum type experiences with other fucking you know, kids and gangs and stuff like that and getting rolled or getting my money taken, that kind of thing, that just shaped like this really, I don't know, it just made me really kind of embarrassed, like a little, like made me feel really 
shit about myself for not being able to protect myself in those situations. Mm. Um, so I kind of started to cultivate this thing in my early 20s where I was like, fuck that, I've got to get back into some form of martial arts. you used to train like traditionally in a gym. Remember you used to train up at Gladesville with Big Head or was it Big Head? Johnny Big Head. And the rest, what years were they? Johnny they were Big 20s, Ed early 20s. Yeah, that was, that was before you got into it. Yeah. That was, that was like early 20s. That was like, you know, when I was 18. My, you, my you trying to eat a chicken a day. Yeah, trying to eat <laughs> a chicken and protein shakes and cans of tuna and all that and not making any fucking gains at all. And like, <laughs> just got to keep doing it, man. He was, he was, and a, like, he was a weed. No <laughs> idea how to lift. No idea. I don't fight in squatting. It was bicep curls and military press and all that bullshit. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> Got nowhere with it and then just kind of was like, forgot the training thing and <clears throat> yeah. Um, you met guys in Bondi. Yeah, well then that, it started with happened? the jiu-jitsu, when it was, which was when I moved to Bondi. I started mm. training jits mm. and then... Who got in? Who, how did you get onto those guys? Jiu-jitsu guys? Yeah. I was in Vegas when I was on a big like year and a half world trip. I was in Vegas with my cousin Rick, shout out Rick, and uh, a few other guys Ricky who Bones. were mates of his. Geek for life. And one of them was a purple belt jiu-jitsu. And all I knew of jiu-jitsu at that time was like Hoist Gracie and, you know, it had a bit of a stigma amongst young blokes, people talking about how badass it is and stuff. And uh, uh, we, I remember we met up, we'd been out all night and we reconvened at the hotel in Vegas at like 5 a.m. in a foyer and everyone was kind of drunk. And Ben, the jiu-jitsu guy, jokingly kind of shot on me, like to grapple me. And I like sprawled and we had a little exchange of grappling and he was like, oh, that was fucking cool, man. You're like, you move quite well. You should come and do jujitsu. And I was like, oh, I've always enjoyed wrestling. My brother and I always wrestled together in the kitchen and shit at home. And, it, and I always felt confident that in that kind of exchange um, rather than punching and kicking and stuff. And so Ben was like, man, you should come and train with us. And I was like, well, when I get back from this trip, I'm moving to Bondi with my cousin Rick. And so mm -hmm. he was like, well, the gym's just near your house. So when I got back to Bondi, I hit him up. and I remember him. I met him a couple of times. Yeah, he, he, he definitely – I think that's right. Maybe a couple of days before that, we were all together in San Diego on the 4th of July, so Independence Day. The beach is packed full of, like, college kids getting loaded. And we ended up – and this like, fucking – there must be 100,000 people on the beach that day. It's really, really busy. And we, we met these jarheads, like these uh, military dudes. And um, one of them was like, oh, I do jiu-jitsu. And Ben was like, oh, I do jiu-jitsu too. And he's like, oh, I'm a purple belt. He's like, oh, I'm a purple belt. And they went at it. They were both just wearing board shorts in the middle of the beach, hot sun, drunk. And like Ben fucking tapped this dude out like three or four times with all these cool techniques. You know, he was triangling him and head arm triangle and arm bars and shit and people gathered around and were watching and they were going at it at 100% but 100% kind of respectfully mm. and, um, and, and I was like, whoa, that's sick. So, yeah, that kind of trip. Beautiful man exchange. Very cool man exchange. Mm. There was high Stole fives and shit after that. Beach, yeah. yeah, you know. <laughs> so that was the start of it and then I remember I went to my first jiu-jitsu class and, uh, yeah, I just fucking loved it. Got to roll with some DJ rear naked choked him using the techniques I'd learned from the UFC. <laughs> and then I just went back every day because I was like, I wasn't, well, I was freelancing in the film industry back then and not working too much over the summer. And yeah, it was cool. And then that was it. I was, uh, 
you know, Ugh. was doing that. I was hooked. And then I was, and then I got in with the calisthenics guys at Bondi Beach and was just doing heaps of pull-ups and chin-ups and push-ups every day <laughs> and training jits. And yeah, it was awesome, you know. So that was really formative, those years. Uh, and then the jiu-jitsu has just continued ever since then. It was uh, the first few years I was, I was into competition and that kind of thing. I took a trip to Brazil, visited a whole bunch of gyms over there and trained. That was great. Trained, you know, trained at a gym in Colombia, trained at gyms in Peru. Like, wherever I was, I'd go visit gyms in Indonesia. Japan. Japan, yeah. Competed in the Asian Championships that time. I got... Uh, I remember my, 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 I won my first match in the absolute division and second match, a little judo black belt who was about 20 kilos lighter than me, threw me <laughs> over his shoulder and I landed on my head and like got up and was like, I've got this. And then he did it again and I <laughs> landed in oh. an armbar and then I had blood in my shits for the next couple of days. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no joke. I'd ne I watched back the video, I was like, fuck, how did I not break? He threw me so hard. Oh, you, like, I imagine he'd probably be telling this story on his own podcast right now about the time he fucking ragdolled that big, tall Aussie guy. <laughs> <laughs> that round eye. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but, you know, like, yeah, that was all epic and training at gyms in Japan. And I really, I really loved all that. I've probably moved, definitely moved away from the competition side of jiu-jitsu now. But the love's still there and I'm still training regularly and, you know... Still looking for a better way to, to try and pass that on to others, you know. So what about your, like, the Roots Gym in Bondi? I, I, I ran into, I've, over the years, I ran into a lot of people that trained out of that gym and everything I heard always sounded really scary. Like, pretty much everyone I talked to that trained there was injured because they'd gotten beaten <laughs> up by someone or they were complaining about how the place was like, full of like people that just kind of tap you out and injure you and beat you up and not let go choke you until you pass out and all that kind of stuff how much of that is is actually true it's a good question i would I, you know i think the majority of it is true when i started training there i think the the really intense years of that gym were probably behind it um there was heaps of stories and stuff that i heard about you know, crazy fucking matches between white belts or um, certain people choking other people out unconscious repeatedly over and over as a way of toughening them up and that kind of thing. I did see a little bit of it. Um, there was definitely a kind of uh, a level of aggression in that gym and it was kind of... Um, yeah, it was, you know, I think it was the coaches, Paulo's <laughs> way of, of breeding... Um, hardened kind of competitors and tough dudes, you know, which, which fuck me. Like in Bondi Beach, the majority of people living around there aren't really killers, you know what I mean? Myself included. So it didn't really work, and I, I think that's <coughs> that's maybe why that gym, that specific dojo, ended up kind of falling apart a little bit. It split up and then went separate ways. But yeah, I was there was the the classic stories of when you get your blue belt you get choked out unconscious repeatedly. And I remember when I got my blue belt, I had a back injury at the time. So I didn't have to undergo getting choked out and I felt really lucky, really fortunate. Oh. And then I don't think he did the choke out thing anymore after that. It kind of, he kind of, I think he kind of stopped doing it. And, and someone died. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do remember seeing him do it to a Korean guy. 
and he was like, he was the toughest fucking Korean guy I'd ever uh, met. Yeah. Body tattoos all over him and never said a word, just rolled hard continuously all the time. And uh, it was the first, almost like the first words I'd ever heard him say and when he was getting choked unconscious and he was saying, please, please help, stop, stop, uh, as he was going, you oh know, no. it was pretty heavy. Uh, yeah. It was pretty heavy. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't, you, you don't hear of stuff like that anymore. Like, just it's fucking highly illegal, right? Yeah, like, and surely it's, a, it's, it's abuse. A business, like, BJJ is a big business now, you know? Yeah. And there's a lot of competition. So you could literally clean out <clears> your whole gym if you did something like that, I'm guessing. Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, at the time, I think it was maybe it appealed to certain people who were like, oh, I want to be part of that badass mm. club. But in reality, it is, I mean... There's probably only like two or three other clubs around at the time. There's Bruno's and Maroubra. Yep. And, and maybe... Marcelo Martin. on the Northern Beaches, I think. That's kind of it. Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, so the choices were slim, right? Fuck now, you've got yeah, you're so many. Are you talking about Jiu-Jitsu in Sydney back then? Yeah. Which I had no idea about. Okay, because right now there's so many. And, you know, I'm only mm. recent um, into Jiu-Jitsu. So, right, so there was only a few back then. Yeah, yeah, I think they were actually, they were the first three black belts to come over from Brazil okay. and open their gym. So they got the kind of, they, they were it. They yeah, were cool. the community. Yeah, they right. ran the comps. It was like the jiu-jitsu mafia. Um, mm, interesting. So far we've been talking about our fighting so. backgrounds and stories the whole time. It's been fun to indulge. But I thought maybe we should talk a little bit more about fighting universally you know, how does it know. how does it fit into our methodology? How, how do, yeah, yeah, how do we fight here on a daily basis? Of fighting because there's all different stories of gyms and formats and histories. It's fun. Like we could talk about it for days. But Why like, have we chosen it as? Yeah. As a, uh, well, I think we yeah. fighting is fighting. Well, going back to the fundamentals, like the, the the all mammals fight, all of them, every single one, and. The human hand has actually been proven Let's to be... Let's think about that. Oh, hang on. Yeah. Which mammals? All mammals? All mammals. All mammals fight. Are seals mammals? Seals fight. Everyone, all of them fight. So all of them are fighting in the womb before they even pop out. Mm. Sli siphoning mm. out the weak ones, you know? Okay, yeah. Uh, the human hand, uh, used for carrying tools and everything else like that, but it's also been proven to have evolved to be uh, a club, like a fist. And they've done tests on cadavers where they, where they uh, tighten the cadaver's fist into a ball and whack it against things repeatedly. And uh, it holds together a lot. Uh, it, it's uh, structural integrity is a lot stronger than an open palm. Hmm. And supposedly this goes back to the fact that we, we use it as a, as a, as a weapon. You know, weapon. And all primates punch and whack and hit with a closed fist. It, so it's, it's, it's in our genetic makeup to fight. Uh, that in itself is very satisfying to be able to uh, tap into that primal urge and, and, and just let it kind of play out. And you see it with people that, you might ha that have uh, anxiety issues or um, high stress levels to be able to just come in and beat the shit out of a pad, or someone holding a pad or a bag or whatever it is, it's a massive stress relief, you know. Uh, that's some of the psychological benefits, but one of the main things we like to, to use it for is energy system development. And it's been proven that 
uh, fighters in general have some of the most well-balanced energy systems out of any athlete on the planet because they're constantly shifting from aerobic to anaerobic to ATP and then back again over really short durations. And this... Give us a break. What's, what energy systems? Break that down in layman's terms real quick. Well, so yeah, you picture yourself like a car. You've got maybe three different or five or whatever it is, however many different um, uh, gas tanks in that car and one might be petrol and another one might be a nitrous oxide, you know, for explosive power. And the more explosive the, and, and accessible the energy is, the smaller the store is in the body. That's why you can't sprint at 100%, like, for, you know, longer than 100, 100 metres kind of thing before you start having to tap into a different source of energy. But if you switch between energy systems, it's quite, uh, there's a transition that takes place and this, is, this, this hurts the body. This is that pain thresholds that you keep shifting between. So by shifting from one energy system to the other, it, 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 uh, it hurts. You can't get in a rhythm. You're um, creating a lot of waste in certain areas and then uh, another lot of waste, a different kind of waste in other areas again. And then this uh, in itself, uh, forces the body to have to adapt to um, make itself stronger, you know. Your pain threshold increases. And with that increase in pain threshold, you, you forge a stronger athlete. And uh, fight conditioning or prepping yourself to be able to fight, to move through those energy systems, builds a well-balanced energy system. And at Jungle Brothers, we're all about building well-fortified, balanced bodies. And I think that's one of the major reasons, like not just the fact that we have access to a whole bunch of training mechanisms around fighting because of our background, but because we also see it as highly beneficial to balancing out the body. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. I think also too the the movement side of it, right? It's uh, dynamic. It's like I mean, you look at the if you actually try and map out the the what's happening on a kind of you know just on a, on a simple movement level when you're sparring with somebody else or you're striking or you're holding pads or mm. even holding pads, you compare that to like going in and doing some bench press and some squatting and fucking bicep curls. The, it's infinitely higher in its complexity of movement, right? So you're not only like moving back, forward, rotating, but you're doing different things with different limbs and you're trying to compute what a live opponent's doing, which is also influencing how you move. So I think that, like, from a, a movement intelligence level, it's huge, right? I mean, mm, that's mm, the, totally. you know, and that's the carryover, like, fuck our favourite warm-up game, knee taps. It's like, that's, that's kind of what that is. You're fighting against somebody else, but you're not getting punched in the face. You're just getting your knee tapped. But, like, the, the amount of stuff you're computing, it's, it's high level. You know, I think it's, I, I think that's kind of one of the, that's also up there with why we're so passionate about the fight thing. And whatever the, the mode of fighting is, it, that almost doesn't matter so much. The act itself. The games. Yeah. yeah and the, the I'm, I'm big on games. Games are great. Yeah, I think uh, a shifting human weight. I mean, moving a barbell is one thing. But it doesn't... But tr trying to shift a weight that doesn't want to be shifted, that has a brain... You know, like, this challenges the body like nothing else. Like, you look at the, the high-level wrestlers and jiu-jitsu guys and that kind of stuff that focus 
solely on shifting weight, and they are absolute machines. They're, they're, and they're, they're strong in every, every aspect of their, their uh, energy systems, the pain threshold, the range of motion, all of it, explosive power, strength, stability, mobility, everything. It's just you have to have that whole package to survive in a sport like that. Otherwise, you just break, you know. So how do you condition yourself for, to not get injured in a sport that's so injury prone and continue training the way you do? Is that a question for Joe? For Joe, yeah. In relation to jiu-jitsu training? Yeah, so Joe's a brown belt. That one, you won one belt off a of black? Yep. And your injury, like your level, of, your rate of injury is, is very low in comparison to your standard jiu-jitsu practitioner. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. I think I've been reasonably, yeah. Well, that you I wouldn't have to say that's not, not luck. That's yeah, something that, yeah. obviously that's gene, like plays a role in there. But there's also a lot of prep that goes into that too. Could you tell us a little bit, bit about, about that? Yeah, I think um, I probably got by in the early days on my genetics, you know, uh, just being young and athletic and naturally reasonably mobile and whatnot. Um, but then I noticed that, you know, probably in the last few years that there's a whole bunch of negative effects on the body from training you know any any one thing but particularly jujitsu because it's such a it's so unique in how you're positioning the body and whatnot and i think it's kind of fucked up in in what it turns your body into right in the long term so so just to clarify the goal in a jujitsu tournament or even in a like a sparring session is to to draw to put someone in a (laughs) someone's like advantage joint in a precarious position to the point where it's going to break Exactly, yeah. You want to apply enough pressure to a joint that it's going to break so that they have to give up via tapping out or a verbal submission <coughs> or they don't tap out and the joint breaks, which does happen in high-level competition <laughs> or training sometimes. Um, or you choke them, you know, so it's either the joint lock or, a, or you choke them out either through a, the windpipe or via the carotid arteries where they, they pass out or they feel like they're about to pass out and give up. But you also accumulate points for gaining certain positions and doing certain things. So if there is no submission and the time limit's up, whoever has the most points wins, right? But, you know, if you go back to the beginning of jiu-jitsu, before the competitions, it was purely for submission. Um, so, yeah, by nature, it's the, the training's pretty brutal on the body because you are applying a lot of really kind of... Um, Brutal. Yeah, brutal, like multi-directional forces on the body and the joints, you know. You're locking people up with your legs and then trying to rip their shoulder out of its socket or break the elbow or the wrist or, you know, pull their head so that their spine feels like it's going to snap and they give up. Like, really, it's they call it the gentle art, but in a way, it's I think it's, you know, it's like a, it has a bit of a nice guy kind of face to it, but it's actually, it's actually really nasty when you look at the forces on the body. So... I think that it can be used in a kind of, you know, in the right dosage, it can become a really good tool for strengthening the body in a whole bunch of different positions. But the, probably the sad reality is that for a lot of people who go into it unprepared, they end up just getting a bit broken. And, I mean, there's no shortage of jiu-jitsu guys, particularly high-level guys who just have bad knees, bad hips, bad backs, bad shoulders. And when I say bad, like, fuck, you know 
I can rattle, you know, we can all rattle off the injuries that we've had, but the guys that we know who are just dealing with serious, serious, you know, knee and back injuries and whatnot. So for me, I found that strength training has been a huge part of fortifying my body. Um, loaded flexibility training has also been really huge. So using weight and stretching with weight, um, whether that's external weight or my own body weight, but like uh, taking a more of a structured approach to that um, just helps my joints be strong when they're at their extreme ranges of motion. Um, and then the other thing has been all the out of alignment stuff, which I think we've been delving into quite a bit in the last few years. You know, these uh, unique squatting positions and using the knee in different ranges and focusing on the small joints, the hands and the wrists and the, the ankles and the toes and all that stuff. I really do credit a lot of that material and that practice to, to helping me be able to continue enjoying the sport, um, which I now only really train a couple of days a week. I would like to be training it more, um, but at the moment it's, it's two days a week and I can go in there. I don't have to warm up too much because I'm already quite warm from here being in the gym that morning and I can get into some, some heavy training and I come out feeling good. I do need to, I do follow a bit of a stretch routine after rolling, which, which I think is big as well. Um, just to kind of undo some of the tension that you generate around the hips and the shoulders after a rolling match, you know, or after a training session. Um, I know that most jiu-jitsu guys just go ham during a sparring session for an hour and then get out of there and fucking jump in the car and drive back to the office and sit in a chair for eight hours and then wonder why their back's fucked, you know, and, and have to cancel their jiu-jitsu membership. There's no real movement screens when you walk into a jiu-jitsu gym for the Hell first time. No. Now that I think about it. Nothing. People come in broken with a bad base level, would you would you say, you know? Definitely. You get people going. I mean, people go yeah. there as a as it's a fitness solution. Mm. You know, mm. which for some people if they're lucky enough to to survive that initial period mm -hmm. and their genes can handle it mm -hmm. or the body can handle it. Mm. But yeah, most people are going in there needing a lot of work beforehand, you know? kind of like taking your your piece of shit broken car to you the know, track <laughs> yeah to the track rather than like to the mechanic and being like all right dude can you kind of look over this and tweak it up a little bit for Before, me mm. you know but um yeah touch wood anyways and i guess that that leads into how we integrate our lift and and movement so we look at that exact same scenario you know taking the vehicle into into the workshop, straightening out the chassis, getting the wheels aligned, and then souping the engine up, and then taking so that engine out, that, that vehicle back out onto the racetrack, knowing that it's gonna hold together, you can push it a little harder, the vehicle's gonna benefit from the stress it's under, it. rather than break. Exactly, and you're, gonna, and you're gonna be able to enjoy driving that thing and using it, you know? Mm. Rather than confidence in it. Rather than kind of being a ticking time bomb. And second guessing. Getting good 12 months out of it before it fucking blows up in your face. Mm. Can we keep going with this analogy? I like it. Put a body kit on so it. So there you take the car <laughs> to the McDonald's <laughs> no, drive through <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like fighting is, fighting is the playing part. Can be seen as the playing part. The performance part, right? As yeah. Because well. that's what it is. That unpredictable movement that game that you're playing with your other person. Exactly. You, you, yeah, you're putting all of those skills from your training, from your you, fitness work, whatever right. it is, into, into this 
multi-dimensional performance. That's right. You know, mm. that's slow and fast and flexing and rotating and twisting. It's and dancing, it's evading. Yeah. So Beautiful. I think also when we move into a, a larger gym, it's something that we'll be exploring on a, like, like much deeper. All three of them, yeah, much deeper. And, you know, we eventually want to want to bring in some, some specialist coaches, whether that's, you know, for workshops or permanently or whatever. Oh, hell but, yeah. Uh, yeah, this, it, I mean, it's such a, such a big, big subject to cover and there's so much out there that's so beneficial. It's exciting. Yeah. yeah. And I think for us, you know, like a lot of people have been asking us if we're going to do some jujitsu or some grappling or whatever. And, I, you know, safe to say like, yeah, we, we are and we all, we, we've been wanting to offer that for a long time. But we're also very aware that we need to offer it in a way that is safe for our community and that introduces them to the right concepts in a very gradual and progressive way so that people can continue to, to incorporate this kind of training but without ending up on the sidelines like so many people who try and do it are. Yeah, that's soft form, you know. Soft forms don't, can, don't necessarily mean that you're soft. It just means it's a, it's a, a more uh, passive approach to, to strengthening the body rather than a hammer and nail approach. And you can see it in different different athletes, different fighters, you know, that some that have been brought up through the hammer and nail approach and others that have a, a much softer style. Examples. And they might compete against each other. Well, I'd look at like someone like, let's think, think big names like Anderson Silva who's got a very soft style of martial art. You can mm. see that when that guy hits 80, he's still probably going to be moving the way he is now, even though he's had however many professional fights and been in some w absolute wars. And then you look at other guys like, I don't know, Sean Shirk or something like that, who's just <laughs> like a... A muscle shark. Yeah, like a hammer and nail, very stiff, not too mobile. Yeah, you he's know, probably not really enjoying his late 30s. No, he'd be in <laughs> potentially in a lot of pain, you know. Yeah. So we like the soft approach, you know. Yeah, it's the long game. Yeah. It's the, you know, it's playing, playing for keeps. Being able to, to continue doing what you do down the track. Playing for keeps. Yeah, you yeah. know. Yeah. There's that classic line from Blade Runner. Check this one out. From Tyrell, the guy who creates the replicants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when he says that the, the candle that burns twice as bright burns only half as long. <laughs> right? Which is like you, you know, you want to put the gas, you know, you want to push hard. It only lasts for so long. There has to be some form of, yeah, softness to your practice, right? Yeah. I like it. Uh, do we, can we keep going? Yeah, I, I just wanted to ask about the, the psychology of fighting that we haven't really spoken about because I was chatting when we were talking before, it made me think about, um, Joe, you were looking into the psychology of fighting and preparing your psyche. This was back when you were doing competitions regularly and you're, and you started collating a, information in interviews with fighters, people of no, Shanji, 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 Hiberio and, and such, who you became a friend of yours. But uh, yeah, just about the, the psychology. That's a good um, question. You yeah. Know, and I, T, you probably got something to say about this as well. I fucking hated fighting. Like I hated jujitsu comps. Because that's the scary thing. More everyone, everyone's scared of fighting. Oh, it's horrible. You know, and you're scared of someone walking down the street because there's that uncertainty. And if you haven't been exposed to it, even, even just a little bit, you don't know what that is. It's the unknown, yeah? Yeah, and I mean, as a teenager growing up, 
in the you know in the nineties, it was like it was full of that. You go to the George Street or something, and there's some guy trying to fucking shank you with a pocket knife. Yeah, you're, and you're in Gladesville, bro. Yeah, in Gladesville. Like yeah. Jordan Five. You know, you go to city once a year, kind of thing. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there's like there's always like the street fighting thing going on, and you always knew you had to be aware of people. And when and you're stuff. young, you particularly feel vulnerable and. Yeah, and at the same time, you think you're tough. Yeah, you know, like, well, at least I did until I got my ass kicked a bunch of times. <laughs> but, like, you, yeah, yeah like, there's a, there's a whole <laughs> lot to learn there. But I remember getting into jujitsu, and the <clears throat> coach was like, oh, you're going to compete? You're going to compete? And I, it was like my first, I'd, I'd been doing it for about a month. And I was like, yeah, fuck it, okay. And I just remember, like, the night before the comp, before the tournament, like, being so overwhelmed with how nervous I was I was like oh my god it was like I was nerve-wracking going to battle against the fucking Persian Empire and I was like one of the 300 Spartans you know it was like I, I felt like it was such an Come epic on, thing <laughs> and I had to I remember turning on the UFC I was like I gotta watch some UFC and I remember watching <laughs> oh. that it, it was actually the, the best solution because I was like now these guys should be nervous you know okay. I was like I'm just going to a fucking jiu-jitsu comp at a, a leisure center tomorrow it's no big deal um, but I remember like going through that and the, all the, pre the anxiety before the comp and then doing the comp and I won my first match and then lost my second match and then like feeling super relieved about it. But it just exposed me to this kind of, this, in, this uh, part of my brain that I, I hadn't really visited as a like, you know, a middle-class kid growing up in Sydney. And a lot, a lot of people haven't visited yeah, exactly. It's you like, haven't tasted a yeah. bit of fighting of any discipline. Yeah, you know, this thing where you're like, where you're shitting yourself and you, and you kind of, it kind of is a life or death sort of situation in your brain, like hormonally yeah, and, right. and yeah, chemically. Exactly. Mm. Um, and even though you rationalise it and, you know, it's not, it still feels that way. And, you, you know, you can't eat anything that morning and you can't drink anything and it's, it's kind of horrible. But when you get out of it, you're like, fuck, that was so cool. There's so much development in that. But it doesn't necessarily go away. Like next fight. Yeah, I look, mean, I remember having it at it before every comp, mm, you know. Mm. And it was interesting when I went on that little dive, like that little bit of research. When I met Shanji and where I, I spoke with another really interesting guy called Craig Weller, who is a, um, who is like a, uh, he's in the military. He's a private contractor in Iraq. Mm. We actually had a conversation over Skype when he was camped out in the Iraq embassy was doing something there and we had a chat and I remember I asked him, I was like, what's the deal with the psychology behind combat? Like how do, are there people out there who aren't scared of things? And he, he had a really interesting point to make, but he said, well, not really. He said, some of us genetically are born fearless. He said, but most of that line of the gene pool has been killed and weeded out because all of those people went into battle head first without any concern for their own safety and they all got killed. He said, so pretty much everyone that's around now on the planet has that response, has that fear response, but it's the people who are... Healthy fear. Yeah, who can, you can, you who can, can, who can exactly strategize around it, mm. understand it, and then use that to perform better. Mm. So I, you know, I, I personally, I always found I performed worse under fear. And so that was, that was part of the reason I kept up with the jiu-jitsu comps was because it was, I knew it was an environment that I didn't perform well in. Mm. So there had to be a lot of development in that. You know, and, so it, and it goes myself. beyond just exposure, like repeated, like just going into more comps all the time. Well, would, I think that's we, a big help. part of it, yeah, just being in that okay. environment more, you would, know. Was there any other practices you engaged in to better your, like mitigate that? 
I used a bit a of better. I used a bit of journaling and stuff. I used to write a bit about it. I used to write about my fears and concerns before the comp. And it would usually come down to something stupid like, oh, I'm scared of that guy who fucking tapped me out. Really? Three you months ago. Yeah, I mean, oh. I, it's true. I've been tapped out before. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> I had like an arch nemesis. Shout out Brian Falzon. <laughs> it beat me like five comp, five out of five times, and I remember when I'd have a comp, and I'd the night before the comp, you log on to the to see who signed up, and it's like you see him in your division, and you're like, oh shit, and you get there and you see him, and you're like, oh no, and then they're like, oh you're up next against your arch nemesis, and you're like, fuck man, you know, but but that whole thing, I was always aware that it was such a good thing to be exposed to, even though I hated it so much, you mm. know. Mm. And then you just tap out and it's all over. <laughs> <laughs> Go back to living the high life at Bondi Beach. <laughs> <laughs> so, T, are you like, are you fearless? Because nah, fuck, no. did you, you're pretty no, I, I, somber dude. You're like, yeah, I, I've never seen you afraid before, ever. No, I, I think, think uh, the, the build up, I was always. For the limited amount of ex- of exposure I had to to tournament and and fuck, you know, I I felt I felt alright. It was afterwards if I felt like I hadn't put the the work in that I should have, and I came out, you know, on the bottom, then I would beat myself up a lot afterwards, and I think that um, that was probably worse for me if I had a way of dealing with. With with losses like mm. losing, mm. Um, I probably would have competed more, but I think the thought of losing like was a big barrier for me at times. You know, just that that thing inside where it's like, if I'm going to compete, I have to win, and if I'm not in a in position where I can, then I'm not going to compete. And that's yeah, that's not really the right. Um, the right approach you know obviously you train yourself up to a position where you feel confident in that but you know the fear of loss is it's a pretty powerful thing but uh no we didn't we didn't do much uh psycho- psychology work like you know envisioning and all that kind of stuff for like fighters do that now professional we did a bit of uh, meditation when when I was training in Lihubafa, mm. we did a lot of standing meditation and mm-hmm. in positions and getting like learning how to bring the heart rate down, and that was really helpful. Like that stuff, like I think that got me through into like in like uh, got me in the right headspace for competition. But afterwards, I would always yeah I would mull over things for long periods of time, you know. Yeah, yeah. Reenact and think, oh, how could I have? I should have, you know. And all those questions that are pointless. Ask you know, running yourself through scenarios and shit like that. So yeah, I don't I don't know much about it, to tell you the truth. Sports psychology, but it would be a great thing to explore. You know. Yeah, yeah. Totally. I've seen T instill some fear in people before. <laughs> 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 Gives them that look, the fucking eyes. <laughs> 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 What, yeah, do the eyebrows go up or no? It's no. just the fucking, it's just that look like I'll what? eat your face, kind of <laughs> look. <laughs> <laughs> There's some stories just out there, right? Dark yeah, in the <laughs> eyes. 
Yeah, no, but no, no, the fear thing, no, I'm, I'm not. Um, I think I'm, pr- mm-hmm. I'm pretty good in, a, in a, like when situations get, get a little bit, gnarly or things get out of hand. I, I, I feel like, I can keep my call pretty, yeah, pretty totally. well. Yeah. Um, I was going to say about that. Yeah, I mean how. You know, exposing yourself to that side of fighting, facing a little bit of that fear and anxiety, coming out the other side and and finding that you know you're not dead and you survived it, you know, builds up your your mental kind of fortitude. Yeah, it's just exposure. And and know. how well the crossover um, into, you know, daily life tasks. You'd have to would you agree that Jiu-jitsu fighting, fighting, putting yourself into that place. I mean, even training helps you deal with day-to-day shit. Like, hell, this stuff's a lot easier. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, put <clears throat> just putting yourself through a, a hard workout. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same. It's the same jam. You know, it's like you, like expelling those stress hormones that are built up throughout mm-hmm. a day of inactivity and mm-hmm. fucking work stress and relationship stress and that kind of thing, and then getting into a situation whether it's like a really hard workout or or a hard sparring session or a hard rolling session on the mats you just like it puts everything in perspective and it gets rid of all that negative energy you know and you come out of the back of it and you're like fuck i feel great that stupid thing i was stressing about that person that cut me off in traffic or whatever it didn't mean shit you know i think that's where the real beauty of it is mm-hmm. it kind of it, you know, i think that's why the jiu-jitsu thing is so important for kids or you know some kind of some kind of practice like that yeah, like that, anger management yeah and it just exposes them to like real life situations where it's like sometimes you're going to get your ass kicked yeah. by someone bigger and stronger and you just got to deal with it and you're going to be okay mm. but you know you have to develop some kind of fortitude around that and also if, like it's a perfect environment to learn that when you lose control you end up on you end up second like you end up you end up on on the on the on the on the bottom, you know. Yeah. You have a hard sparring session or a heavy roll, and the second you start to to get emotionally attached to that uh, situation, mm. you end up getting fucking manhandled or tapped out, or you open yourself up and you get beat up, you know. So it's learning how to stay cool under pressure is really it's such a fucking great tool because. You get into the similar scenarios where someone's, you know, upset you at work or in a pub or whatever, and you know subconsciously that if you become emotionally attached or you you start to, you know, see red, that you are only going to come out second best from it. You know, not and not in a physical sense, but second yeah, stay, best. Stay stay cool and win. Right. You know, yeah, that's right. Whether it means being able to diffuse a situation. Or, you know, like just t- take control of the situation without losing your shit. You're always going to have more of a chance of coming out on top than you would if you were just, you know, kind of fucking start losing your shit and... Yeah, that's right, freaking out. Freaking out and all that kind of stuff, you know. Like most people who aren't training, who are fucking dealing with the stresses of life and oh. trying to mitigate the, that negative energy through alcohol and whatnot, that's the yeah. fucking... You bottle that shit up and you, you put yeah, yourself on a track towards disaster. Yeah, I was just thinking the same thing. You don't know how mm. to, to release the, the pressure valve, you know. 
you just burst. Uh, yes, I think it's one of the one of the greatest uh, lessons that you can learn from from studying martial art. You know, and I think that probably goes across all disciplines, really. You know, rugby, team sport, just soccer. hard hard training, right? Yeah, that's right. So I guess the next thing we move into will be our our lift. Yeah. Talk about it's shifting some weight. Shifting weight and why we do it and how we do it and that kind of stuff. Yeah, we got through a lot today, actually. We got we got a bit to say on the fight subject, huh? Yeah, I mean, you could probably keep talking about about more. But did we answer all the questions? We kind of we touched on. We go big. I think we're in danger of boring people if we go on for too long and <laughs> too much longer now. May have already crossed the one hour threshold. Well and truly, I've still got like a couple of fight stories I need to brag about. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Let's wrap yeah, it up. Yeah, for sure. Uh-huh. Um, cool. Speak to you in two weeks. Yeah, thanks for listening out, peeps. Keep that, uh, keep that feedback coming through and let us know topics that you want us to talk about um, because uh, we've got heaps of shit we want to talk about, but we also want to make sure that it's what you guys want to hear as well. Mm-hmm. Upcoming events. Yeah, we've been through that, huh? Yeah. What do we got? We'll Christmas mention party. Christmas party, December 10th. Book that shit out. Jungle Brothers Tribe only. Uh, Thank you. See you later. Bye. Bye.